Thank you, Curtis. I hope it wasn't too depressing of a topic today. Oh, it was so depressing. <laughs> but <laughs> we got to do what we got to do. You could restore it all. And rescue me from You had my fallen You How Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup. And I have with me my data privacy consultant. Ritsana <laughs> Maliandi, how's it going? Good, Curtis. How you doing? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's what I'm. Gonna, you're gonna be my personal data privacy consultant for obvious reasons. <laughs> now, given your your new gig over there at at Zoom, yep. Remind our listeners what it is that you do over there now. Sure. Yeah. So at Zoom, I'm focused on privacy, ensuring that the products Zoom builds are privacy enabled, and we focus heavily on ensuring that the privacy of our users is um, upheld. I like it. Uh, And speaking of uh, Zoom, Persona works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a podcast of either company. We're talking about our opinions here. Be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And uh, if you've got anything in these topic areas that we talk about, we would love to talk to you. Just come right on in. It's a friendly environment. Isn't it friendly? Are we friendly, Persona? I think so. And we like to talk about a lot of other stuff too. Barbecue and movies. Actually, as as we record this, I just released the the first, uh, well, it's not the first bonus episode, but the first bonus barbecue episode. I called it, what was it? No backups, just beef. (laughs) (laughs) We can discuss that I have completed my acquisition and what would be the right word? Attachment of replacement doors for my my Prius. Nice. And how did that go? You know what? Uh, all in all, I think pretty dang good. My Oops. wife, I have to say, my wife, who often when I begin a project like this that she sees as ambitious, I get the famous question, which is, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> to which I say, I don't know. I never done this before, but uh, you know how hard but, can it be to take a couple of doors off and put them on? Well, and seeing all the projects that you've done over the last like three years that I've known mm-hmm. you four years, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You do take on some ambitious projects, but most of them, I'd say, you actually complete. That's what I'm saying. Can you talk to yeah. my wife? Can you explain <laughs> to her that I am not this? You know, she. I I do have a history of some unfinished projects. Uh, the, yes. They're not. They're not. They're not unfinished because I couldn't complete them. They're unfinished because I have, I don't know, whatever syndrome it is. <laughs> well, I'm at I 95% think, on something. I'm going to move on to the next project. Well, I think the one that she's probably particular about is the holes in the drywall. Oh, shut up. Shut up about the holes in the drywall. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that, because she probably sees that the all the time. I'm going to call the guy. You know what? I'm going to call the guy. I'm going <laughs> to. So we're recording this actually on my 32nd. Uh, anniversary uh, today is our <laughs> happy anniversary as our, our 32nd any exciting plans you know not really i mean <laughs> after after 32 yeah. years we'll go we'll, we'll have a nice uh dinner date um nice guess what we're guess what we're gonna do what do you, you think you are going to let's see i'd say barbecue you're a really close well I, technically 
you are spot on, but it's not really what we think of when we think of barbecue. Uh, more like rotisserie. Mm. As in churrascaria. Nice Brazilian barbecue. We're going to Brazilian barbecue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Followed yeah, by so, dessert. If you can eat dessert after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, they're, the, the dessert that they make there, they have this thing called um, creme de papaya, which is they take um, ice cream and they take fresh papaya and then they puree those two things together. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in this world that you and I here, we're sitting here talking about incredibly personal things out in the, you know, stratosphere, mm. not everybody wants to put their personal stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for everyone to see. So, so that'll be, I, I think that'll be a nice topic for us to talk about. We've got a few different sort of sub, it's not subtopics, but all related items yeah. items of interest that are related to this yeah. concept of privacy which you now have a a, a renowned not no i'm mm-hmm. sorry you now have a renewed interest in due to your yeah. new gig um and what, you and what, i we've been talking about this for years right in terms yeah. of like i think our first podcast was actually on gdpr right you are correct our mm-hmm. very first podcast was on i think it was the anniversary one of year GDPR. yep right exactly right? um and uh, but before we talk, and we're going to talk about GDPR or the. Yep. Technically, it's the GDPR. Mm. Is right? it the? It's the, it's uh. the general data protection regulation. Oh, that's true. So I was quite surprised when you gave me. The, yeah, yeah. And I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised because this is not new. New. This is not news. At least uh, we found it out eighteen months ago, or the world found it yeah. out. But I apparently somehow missed it. Yeah. So basically what Curtis is referring to is Apple recently um, talked about how they're going to have a new feature, which will scan your pictures to make sure there's no child sexual abuse material on your phones. Wait, I don't. Is that what we're talking about? That's that's where this started from. OK. When, right? when was and, that? This was this week, Curtis. <laughs> Oh, actually last so week. I was totally looking at a different story, no, no, but go no, ahead. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, okay. so they basically talk about how, okay, we are going to scan your phones. And I totally get the reasoning that, yes, we want to make sure there's no explicit material and making sure that right. we're keeping children safe. Right. right. But it kind of is interesting because in the last, like, eight months, it's all been about privacy. You see all the Apple ads for privacy and right, right. them talking about the privacy of their users and their data. And now you kind of see this detail. And it sort of brings up the question of, is your data really protected? And is it your data? Apple, for the longest time, has said, your data is your data. We won't do things with it. I think even back in 2016, they had made announcements about, no, we don't want access to your data. Right. right. And and there and, were also there were some there were some cases about law enforcement agencies that were like trying to force Apple through court action to give them access to somebody's iPhone. And, exactly. and Apple said no. Yep, exactly. And all those things. And so now there's a recent um, thing going on in security circles being like, hey, is this really safe? Because I think people are worried that what they're doing is they're comparing your photo to a hash of known explicit images and seeing, does your phone have that hash? Oh, that's interesting. So basically, you it's not that you're taking 
no. explicit images, but you're storing explicit images on your phone that are known. Yeah. I, I have way too many questions about that. Yeah. That, that That's just, but, yeah. But the people are concerned that what's to prevent like a foreign government or some other person from misusing it and uploading hashes of other things. Right. It's right. kind of like you have a framework in place and now it's just a matter of the only thing that Apple's saying is we promise not to let other governments and so <laughs> forth abuse the system. And yeah, we kind of know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is a this is a really classic example, because who's going to argue against stopping child porn? And and so we're not arguing for that. <laughs> yeah. So let's make that perfectly clear. The the question is. It's more about this is one of those things where, because, like you said, because you've created this framework, there are other things that could be done with that technology that are more concerning. Yeah. Uh, and we might not know what those are. Well, we don't know. We don't and know what we those probably things won't, are. And, and even if it does happen, we're probably never going to hear about it either. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, I, I do think it is it is important to understand that there isn't... So they're basically creating a hash from your image. Yeah. Right. So no one, no one at Apple is scanning through your iPhotos. It's, there's a program that is creating a hash from your photo. And then that hash is being compared to known hashes. Is that? I think that makes sense, but I don't know if it's just hashing because they do talk about like using a neural hash which might look for features in pictures yeah right? i don't, so understand, I don't it, understand how that stuff works yeah so it might not just be like a straightforward hey you have this file let's just hash it okay all right right yeah it might not yeah i don't i don't know how any of that stuff but, works but uh, but, but I, I i do think no one no one's saying that there's anyone that apple that's physically scanning your images yeah but right. it might get flagged, and that might require someone to validate, like if a picture gets flagged. This is the topic that you chose? <laughs> so You picked so, this as the first so, topic to talk about. Because now I'm, you know, I... Uh. So the reason I brought this up, though, is while I was learning about this, I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting stance for Apple. And then I stumbled upon just a random... I think it was a tweet somewhere. I can't even remember where I read it, but it basically was like, did you know that all your iCloud backups and all the photos you store on iCloud are not encrypted? They are accessible by Apple. Which, which came as a big surprise to me, and I Googled it, and that, this is what I was referring to with the 18-month thing. So apparently yeah. 18 months ago, uh, Apple was going to come out with a feature that it would allow you to encrypt your iPhone backups, and they stopped it. Why? Government pressure. Can you believe I, that is the part that is so shocking to me yep. that they that basically the government said this will stop one of our best ways of finding bad people. So don't do it. I'm, 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 I'm a little shocked. Um, now, is there an equivalent in the Android world? Because Android is just very, very different, right? So you would use a service. It would just sync. Yeah, or it would just sync to like Google Drive or whatever else, right? Well, that's the same, but that's the same, that's the same thing they're saying here is that this is just yeah. a sync. It's not an encrypted backup. And so the same is true of Android? 
it might be true, assuming, yeah, if someone could get access to it, unless you're using like a third party utility, <clears throat> like there are third parties, like I know there is, but those don't always work on like a non-rooted phone. So, right. Yeah. So speaking, speaking as one of those third parties, so, you know, Druva can back up iPhones and, and Androids, but we are limited to what you can see, right? We yeah. can only back up like the core stuff, which I think would include photos and yeah, like core stuff, but not, for example, photos in a third party app or conversations in a third party app or recordings or, you know, what anything that you created it. Cause this is, this is sort of the way Androids and iPhones work is that each application has its own little security space. Yep. And, and they can only see their data. Yeah. Right. And you have to explicitly give permission between them to be able to see it. Uh, and they, they really think which of that as, as a security feature. Yeah, which is great. Uh, but the downside is the only way you can actually back up your phone and all the apps and all the data on it is to use the built-in backup mechanism. And which I would say... isn't encrypted. Yeah, is and I would just... say... Yeah, and I would say a good chunk of people, right? They probably use iCloud because it's convenient, right? And they probably just do their backup to the cloud because why do I want to plug in a laptop and back up to that? And so they're like, oh, yeah, it automatically works. But I'm sure they don't realize that, no, your backups are not encrypted versus if you plug in your phone into your laptop, right? You could easily say, hey, by the way, I want to encrypt my data. And then it pulls additional information like... Um, information in your keychain and other pieces like your health data also gets pulled off your iPhone when you do a local backup. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it. Um, I am, I'm just thinking about me personally, my personal stuff. I am not, I, I'm not alarmed per se that, this backup is unencrypted because I don't put anything in there that I think is like, if I got, if I got hacked, for example, um, I, so, so let, let me just go going back to our earlier subject. Right. So I don't have that stuff yes. <laughs> on my phone <laughs> that if I got hacked, suddenly that kind of stuff would show up in public. Um, so, and, and I don't have any security information st stored in an insecure way. I do use Dashlane, right, which is a, a, a password management app, and it, it does have that data, but that's stored in Dashlane, which is encrypted in Dashlane, and so that backup would be encrypted. So I don't have anything that would massively, like, that would hurt me financially or something yeah. like that. But uh, it, it does come as a surprise to me that potentially someone at Apple could just scroll through my photos and look at them. Yep. Kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. Um, and in this world of, and what's more crazy is the story that you alluded to that they were going to turn on this feature and they chose not to due to pressure from the government. Yep. That's a little disconcerting. But um, happy Thursday. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next giant member of something that I've learned to refer to as GAFAM. Had you heard of GAFAM prior to me bringing it up? No, I had not heard about GAFAM. 
So uh, let's, I got it, darn, I got to make sure I got all it. So that's Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft. So yeah, so it's a it's an acronym uh, for five popular US stocks, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft. Although it should now be AFAM because Google is alphabet. But um, so the GDPR is all about GAFAM. They're all about these five companies and what they do or do not do with regards to your data privacy. And there was uh, apparently this giant lawsuit. Um, what they don't call it a, they don't call it a class action. Um, no, but, but it sounds like something similar. Well, no, but there was, there was this complaint that you could join. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. Right. And, and something like 10,000 people did, did sign up to this complaint and uh, some t- like three years passed. And so there was some worry that nothing was going to happen regarding this complaint. But as of now, the largest, the single biggest GDPR fine has now been leveraged against Amazon. How big was that fine, Persona? 887 million US dollars, I think like 700 and change in euros. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Especially um, since the largest fine up until then was something like 50 million euros, right? Which is probably exactly, like 70 million. Exactly. Dollars. You know what else is ironic about this gigantic fine? Huh? Is that it came from the tiny nation of Luxembourg? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Luxembourg um, in my, I sort of traveled across uh, Europe on, by train and I stopped in Luxembourg and I actually got off and basically toured Luxembourg. I think I saw all of it in about an hour and a half and I (laughs) I got back on the train. It is a tiny little place. I got on one of those hop on, hop off buses Mm -hmm. and uh, no offense, uh, please. If you're from Luxembourg, I, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm, I'm dissing you, but it is a very small place. And I got, I got on the hop on hop, hop off bus. I rode it around the entire route and there wasn't anything that, that called to me to get off the bus. Yeah. Right. So it was like, Oh yeah. I I basically took the route and then I got back on the train and then (laughs) I continued on to, to, uh, I think I was on my way to, uh, Belgium, uh, to go to Bruges, which Mm. was, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, so but this, this is, tiny, the tiny nation of Luxembourg slaps Amazon with the biggest GDPR fine yet, nearly nine hundred million dollars. That's yeah. the head, the headline. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because what they find them for was the fact that they used, they tracked the users without right. consent, and then they used it to serve personal ads. <laughs> right. That's and the thing is, I mean, I, I have a much more American view of this than right, but this is the way Amazon works. And, and that's what they're saying, right? This is, I use Amazon all the time. I am an Amazon Prime member. I have been for many years. Literally, while we're recording this, I heard my garage door open and close because I have an Amazon key account and they can deliver stuff into my garage while I'm, you know, right? Without yeah. any interaction from me. I'm a huge Amazon user and I know that they track what I buy and I know that they... Um, feed me at, they're like, Hey, you bought this, uh, well, this one, what did I just buy? I bought an orbital orbital 
dual action polisher for my car uh, to, to buff out some problems on the doors that I mentioned in the first part of the, the episode. <laughs> Projects never um, end. Projects never end. Uh, and they're like, hey, we noticed you bought a dual action uh, polisher. Would you like some car wax to go with that? <laughs> right. I, 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 I know that they track me. And to me, that's how Amazon works. And it's one of the things I like about Amazon. But I guess what the the Luxem, Luxembourg uh, Data Protection Agency felt was this is not something I can opt out of. Right. Exactly. That you, ne- you never asked me. You never yep. asked me, you know, can we watch what you buy and suggest other things, um, you know, uh, to, to go with the stuff that you bought. And they're saying, you do it. We told you to stop doing it. You didn't stop doing it. We're fining you because clearly you don't care. Because this, this is a big fine. I don't care who you are. This is a big fine. It would be interesting to see what that is in terms of percentage of turnover, right? Because that's what the fine is. It, it can be I up to 4% was- of turnover. I don't think it was that high because. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know how much Amazon makes in a year. Uh, by the way, a, a while ago, I tried to understand the difference between turnover and annual revenue and my brain exploded and I just, I just gave up. Mm. It's something similar to annual revenue, but my, my American okay. brain can't, can't get around it. So for that quarter, uh-huh. the, uh, Amazon made $113 billion. In sales, so that's roughly one billion out of almost five hundred billion annual revenue. Again, turnover is different, but it's close. So that's, but I, uh, I don't know, point two percent. Yeah, something like that, which is seems very small. Now, granted, that large that number seems very large, right? Talking about a billion dollars in fines. But yeah. versus how much they sell and the fact that GDPR can have up to 4%. Right. But by the way, they are going to appeal the ruling. Yes. So it's not a done deal. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. They said they said there was no data breach. And then they're like, hey, we're not talking about a data breach. We're talking about uh, targeted advertising. Basically, they're, they're, they're claiming sort of willful, willful disregarding of the concept of consent yep. that you never asked, you never, you never, you're right. Because remember one of the things that it required, for example, is f- when you fill out a form to buy something from someone, there's, there's a box at the bottom that says, Hey, can we email you about stuff? And that box historically has been checked yep. for you by default and you had to uncheck it if you didn't want to be contacted by that company. And the the GDPR you, said that needs yeah. to be unchecked by default. Security by design and by default. I'm sorry, privacy. Yep. Privacy by privacy. design and by default. And yep. so that was an example. And they're saying you never had the equivalent of that. You've always been tracking your customers. You've yep. always been targeting advertisement with them. And you never gave them the chance to yep. opt into that. Exactly. It does not allow you to just let them opt out. You have yep. to, they explicitly. must opt in. They have to explicitly yep. opt in. Which is which is different than, say, California CCPA, right? Where there is no option of opting in or requiring an opt-in, right? They only need to provide you an opt-out. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at other organiza- or other regulations around the world, I know, for example, in uh, Canada, it, it is a, it's an explicit opt-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in California, it, it's not an explicit requirement to opt in. 
Uh, it also, there, there's some real exclusions about, uh, there's some real sort of, I'm, I'm going to say odd exclusions in the, the CCPA. Um, there's, there's some interesting inclusions and there's some interesting exclusions, right? So it's a, one of the interesting inclusions is that it has the concept of a household, yep. right? That, that, that a household is protected under CCPA. But I think there, there's this really weird sort of twisted series of logic of what's included or what, you know, who's, who's yeah. included, who's, who's required to follow it and who's not required to follow it and what they can do and what they can't do. Um, I, I know that if you're a company that makes most of your money selling personal information, you have to follow it. Yep. It's, it's if, if you're not that, if you're something less than some percentage, then, then it starts to go into how big you are and how many people you're tracking and you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, have I told you, you about my CCPA experience? Uh, well, you have told me, but we haven't told the listeners. So we, we have to talk about this. And, and, and the, the story's not finished, right? No, it's not finished. So it's still in progress. So what happened is when I was previously working at Druva, I got cold called on my cell phone. Uh, by a vendor and they were like oh yeah there's this event coming up we want you guys to or we want you to attend and i was like that's really weird because i never ever give out my cell phone for anything work related right and so i was like okay where did these guys get my number from and they called me like two or three times they sent me emails and it's your normal cold call right where it's like hey i keep trying to meet up with you do you have like five minutes maybe i could throw something on your calendar so and so so i was like okay now that there's a CCPA and now that we've been talking about it for a while, let me actually see what it is. So right. I went on their website. So luckily they left the name of the company. I went on their website and I went to their privacy statement and they're like, hey, if you want to do a CCPA request, then you send an email to their privacy email address that they gave right. and we will get back to you. So right. I was like, sweet. So I sent them an email being like, hey, I want to know all the information you have about me, the sources of information, the categories of information. If you sold the information, right? And so if you go to California's attorney office of the attorney general, they kind of say, here are the things that you can ask for that the company has to provide. And so then immediately within 24 hours, you received all the information that you asked for. Oh, not at all. (laughs) Because I think, because honestly, I think most companies are not set up for that. Now, granted, they did get back to me within five or 10 days. I can't remember the exact timeline being like, hey, it, it we just want a really verify, long time confer- at the time. I remember when when this. Well, happens. well, well, the first thing is they first have to come back to you to verify that it's actually you requesting the information. Oh, so that okay. was fairly fast. OK, right. But then after that, to actually get the data, because they need to go hunt down in whatever systems they have and all the rest. Right. California says they have to get back to you within 45 days. If they don't get back to you within 45 days, um, they are allowed to get back to you within that window and say, we need additional time. And so it can go out to 90 days. Okay. So I waited, I waited 50 days, no response. I emailed them, nothing. I emailed them again at 60 days, nothing. Yeah. And so I'm like, what's going on? Why haven't I gotten my data back? So I said, screw this. And so actually on the office of the attorney general's webpage, you can actually file a complaint. For a right. company that does not respond to your requests. And now is where the teeth of the law come into play. It's so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so so I filed a complaint and they got back to me and they're like, we're sorry. So who's they? Apparently, who's they? The uh, Office of the Attorney General. Thank you. They basically said that 
we will take this under advisement and we will reach out on your behalf, but there's nothing we can really do. It's just you have to go reach out and work with them and hopefully get them to respond back to you. And that's when I remember talking to you and I remember being stymied because yeah. I, 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 I remember like, you know, we did, you and I did some Googling and we started reading about, I thought there was fines. I thought there was teeth in yeah. this thing. And what, what did we find out? Yeah, the only way that a person can sue a company for not responding to CCPA if there was a breach that was due to negligence. Right, which is like not this at all. This is just, you know, potentially willful disregard of the CCPA. And so so in there, so what about fines? Can't the, the attorney general find them? So the attorney general, from what I read, it they basically said, if we get a lot of complaints like this, we may take action. Right. Right. But if it's just sort of a one-off, two-offs, then right. I don't think that they would necessarily go after them. But at the same time, I have to say that once I sent in well, that complaint. Well, well before, we, okay. before we get, is that, how is that different than the GDPR? Because one person in the GDPR is not going to create a fine. But I think that there's sort of more onus for the companies to respond for GDPR. Because there, there are is. explicit fines that are attached. I, I yeah. don't think that, I think what we learned was that there aren't explicit fines attached to simple CCPA. ignorance, ignorance, <laughs> simple, <laughs> simply ignoring basic privacy. There are fines attached to data breaches, yep. but not to simply ignoring privacy is, yep. is what is what I believe that we uncovered. Is that, yeah, that exactly. match yeah. your understanding? Especially as an especially as an individual, right? I can't do anything. You as a and I thought there was, and it turns out there is stuff you can do as an individual, and you can actually individually be paid a fine, but only if it's a data breach. Yep. Which a data breach and they were negligent. Right. A data breach caused by negligence. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which is which is definitely you know, although difficult to prove, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends. It depends on the breach, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so I basically gave up all hope because the attorney general sent me a letter and they're like, look, here's your information you sent and here are the rules. So if you actually go to their webpage, they do a good job of talking about here are all the rights under CCPA. Here are the things you can do. It's very, mm-hmm. very, very well written. So mm-hmm. I was very appreciative of that. But then I just kind of was is like, every, okay, is every other word done. dude. It's- no, it was not, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, here's your here's your rights, dude. It wasn't that. <laughs> no, it I'm was sorry, not I interrupted. Unfortunately, you. <laughs> not. That would have been awesome. So, so I just kind of gave up, and then I got uh, what was it? An email from the company like five days after I submitted the complaint, and they're like, "Here's all your data." Oh, after so like, you got like, you got an email from the company after you contacted the attorney general. Yep, and, and by this point it was probably like email. yeah, this was probably like sixty-five days out, seventy days out. So it's clear that contacting the AG, yep, is what prompted them to finally contact oh, I you. Think so, yep. so it, it, which reminds me of of something else that you had advised me on, which I 
think came up in the podcast at some point, and that was putting in an FCC complaint, right? Yep. That I had that I had had I was having problems with Cox. I was having problems with my my internet, and um, uh, I had complained, 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 got nowhere. And you said, "Well, did you file an FCC complaint?" And I was like, "What?" And you go to FCC.org. No, FCC.gov. Yeah, <clears throat> which for those not in the U.S., that's the Federal Communications Commission that governs things like the internet and um, and cable companies. And I put in a complaint, and within 24 hours, I got contacted, yep. not just by Cox, but by the person at the local office who's responsible for dealing with FCC complaints. And you know what? Long story short, my problem got fixed. So I yep. think in this case, while there isn't any teeth necessarily, I think companies who get contacted the way they got contacted via the AG, I think that they do need to show that they're responding so yep. that they don't get added to the list yep. of it's companies actually, who aren't responding. Yeah. So they got back to me and they provided me, here's all the personal data you have. But it was interesting though, because in their response, they didn't actually say, for instance, there were third parties that they got information from. They don't actually right. say what third parties had your data. Yeah, that was. I remember you said that you because you your number one question was how did you get my number? Yep. And you and they're like, ah, Steve gave it to us, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because did they they did they identify the third parties? No, no. They that's basically a, said that's the weirdest part. We got it from yep. a guy. We got it from yep. a guy. Yep. But they will tell you, for instance, did they sell your information to a third party? Did they share your information with any other person? What information? So they told me, we have your name, we have your LinkedIn profile, we have your phone number, we have your title, your current employer, that sort of thing. So they did provide all that information. And they basically said, yeah, the categories of data we have are, or the sources we have are from other places. That. Did, did you look again at whether or not this complied with the CCPA? And it does, and it does comply with the CCPA. Get they do the not heck have to out of here. Yeah, they do not have to say where it came from or what the source was. You know, when the CCPA came out, when the CCPA was like being voted on. There was a lot of criticism that it had been that it had been hurriedly slapped. Hurriedly? That's not a word. Hurriedly? <laughs> quickly. Quickly. <clears throat> there was a lot of criticism that it had been quickly slapped together. And I remember seeing, there's like a guy. You, do you know what I'm talking about? There's like a guy who championed this law. Hmm. It, it's he's oh, like yeah, yeah, a yeah. Southern California lawyer is what, what I, and basically he helped put it, he helped put it all together. And, there, and I remember saying that the, the, the critics of it said, this thing is just a bunch of stuff slapped together, you know, hodgepodge, a bunch of stuff. And he's like, we put a lot of thought into it. This just seems bad, yeah. right? I mean, if, 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 if a valid response is we got it from a guy. <laughs> no, right? so it's not even, yeah. So, so here's what they provided me, right? So this is their response to me was they have my LinkedIn profile, my email right. address, my name, which, which my is title. public information, right? Yeah, but they okay. have my cell phone number, which isn't as far right. as I know. 
And then, and then I asked them sort of because based in the CCPA, you're allowed to ask them what categories of personal data was collected. Right. Right. And they basically said, we have your contact data and your employment data. And I'm like, okay. And then they say the categories of sources of your personal data. And they basically just put third party vendors. So they don't tell you exactly where they got your data from. They just said it was from a third party vendor. And that's a perfectly valid response. Yep. yep. Because it's categories of sources. Not what was the source of your personal data, but based in the CCPA, it says categories of sources. That's just, that's what I'm saying. It's like they could, so literally any company could go, ah, we got it from a guy. Yeah. Is, is really what they're saying. But but when we talk about deletion, I'll tell you what happens there because I also did go okay. through that process. So, you, so yeah, okay. 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 So, and then they just, and then you're allowed to ask them, okay, what is their reason for collecting your, or selling your data? Right. And so for this one, they basically said, we're using it for marketing and corresponding with you. Right. Um, they also talk about who the third parties who they've shared your data with, which they just call service providers. Mm-hmm. Um, what data, t- what categories of your data they share. So like contact data, employment data, and if they've sold your data to any third parties, in this case, it was none. So this is all you get back from them as based on your CCPA request. Which is kind of worthless yeah it is i mean because your your number one question is where did you get my cell phone number and yep. you never got that question answered no i did not they're this like so, well we got it from a guy yeah so so they sent that back an email and then a couple days after that i got a letter from the attorney general being like hey here's a copy of because apparently they responded in writing to them to the mm-hmm. attorney general mm-hmm. when they got the complaint so they had to respond back in writing saying, we provided the data on this date, and here's the data we provided them with. The case right. is closed. And so the attorney general sent me a copy of that as well. Huh. So so I was like, okay, sweet. So now I have the data. I know what you guys have on me. And I figured, okay, CCPA also allows me to request to delete my data. So I was like, and why not? Let's give it a shot. <laughs> why not? Let's give it a shot. And that's the part we're still waiting on, right? So I did submit a right to delete my yeah. data. Um, and it's interesting because as of today, I have not heard back from them, from the company itself. But interestingly, I did receive an email from another company who I've never heard about, um, who basically said, this is the data that we had on you. And it basically had the company, my name, my role, my email address. And it said, you have been removed from our database. Interesting, but it didn't have the cell phone number. It didn't have my cell phone number. It didn't come from the original company. Weird. So I'm thinking I might need to email the company again and being like, hey, why has my phone number not been deleted or my LinkedIn profile? Have you actually gone and deleted my data yet? And as of right now, it's been more than a month. So this has just been fascinating. You know, under the uh, CCPA, this the, the, the deletion, it's called an R triple D request. Right. R triple D? R triple D. Yeah. Hmm. Right to delete the dude's, dude's data. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. This... I kid. Um, yeah, so I'm so going to I... give them a little bit more time to respond right. back. Otherwise, I'm going to email them again and be like, hey. Hey. Yeah. Why haven't you deleted my data? 
And so this is my saga. Like you said, it's not done yet. Right. I'm going to give them their 45 days. Right now, it's only been a bit over 30 days. Right. But and it, that, it is weird that you got contacted by a third party. Yep. That's just weird. Um, yeah. Huh. And so, and so yeah. yeah. So this is just an ongoing song. I've never heard of anyone who's gone through the CCPA. I just thought I'd share my experience. Yeah. Interesting. I, I have to say it's underwhelming. It is. In terms of, you know, um, we still don't have, we're, we're not at a point of privacy by default. Yep. Right. At all. And it's certainly not in the U S right. I think yep. in other parts, like in, in Canada, what I remember was you're not allowed to send any type of electronic correspondence, which includes phone calls without an explicit opt in mm. of the person. And I remember, cause I, I used to run a, marketing company, right? I used to run a company that generated leads for other companies. And that was an extremely fresh, like, how am I supposed to ask them if I can ask them? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like to me, I just, I just stopped all marketing in Canada. Canada. Yeah. I didn't, I did. I wanted to be in compliance and I was like, I don't, know how to ask them if I like I can't even send them an email asking to them ask if them if I can send them email or ask them if I can call them that's privacy by default oh yeah right uh, basically what they're saying is you know people the consumer has to find you the consumer has they- to find you and contact your website and say I would like to be contacted what a what a idea Right. <laughs> that is not this. That is not what you're experiencing here in in California. We're we're working towards it clumsily. Yep. So I was very um, disappointed, though, that they did not tell me where they got my data from, though. That part. Yeah, well, it was the whole point. Right. It was the whole thing yeah. that started is like, how did you get my cell phone number? They're like, yeah, we got it from a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's depressing. So it's not perfect but not perfect. at least but at least there are options right and i do like to see things are progressing in the right direction maybe in a future right maybe with the new ccpa 2.0 or ccpr i think ccpr right? I, I don't know it, did, it didn't I, look like it added much at least the type of stuff that we're talking about it didn't yeah, seem yeah. to me that it really added that much but um, but it's a start though at least and I'm also hoping, though, as companies, because you have to imagine for a company, it's probably going to be very expensive to customize their policies for California versus the EU and having to deal with all the different types of requests. I'm oh, hoping is, that more. Go ahead. Sorry. But I'm hoping that more companies will sort of take the mo- most stringent, which would be GDPR, and follow that. Yeah. I, I, you know, but it's hard. We we don't we try not to get political on this podcast, um, but this is one where I think a federal law needs yeah. to be because there could be fifty different states with fifty different regulations, and that sounds like hell for companies oh, yeah. to 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 deal with, right? Um, yep. The and this certainly follows under interstate commerce and yep. you know and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the mere fact that I would suggest that there should be a federal law sort of 
points out my political leanings, but, but you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's that's why the GDPR came to be is because they had all these European states and they said, listen, yeah. we need a unified, you know, policy regarding data protection within the EU. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, I'll just not say perfect. this. No, no. What I was going to say is yeah. it, based on, I'm, I'm pretty connected politically and this isn't on anybody's radar on the federal level. They have so many other things that they're thinking about um, that this is, I, I haven't heard any yep. rumblings as to a federal version of this law. So, Well, and I'm just hoping that maybe a couple of the big states will have enough things in common that eventually it bubbles up to something at a federal level. And once again, California leading the charge. Well, we're, well, not, that's we're, not diff- second, we're in second place. Who was the first one? Do you remember? <laughs> was it? Vermont or New York? No, well, I'm just thinking, right? This is no different than like the EPA emissions laws, right? A lot of it is following California, yeah, the most stringent, yeah. and a lot of manufacturers kind of follow that approach. Because- yeah, and, and yeah, that is, yeah. And I, I know, for example, uh, California was the first state to require notification of data privacy breaches. Yep. Right? Uh, 2005. Uh, the SB 1386, the fact that that's still up in my brain is amazing. <laughs> but that was the law that, that was put in, in into play in, in 2005 that said that if you have a data breach, you have to notify your customers. And if you can't notify them in a reasonable amount of time, you have to tell the news. Yep. And that's why we started seeing these notifications. California yep. was the first state to do that. They're not the first state to do this privacy stuff, but 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 they are large enough that maybe what will happen is, like you said, that they'll they'll do the lowest common denominator, yeah. Uh, and just, um, but as a company who markets to these other states, it'll be challenging um, for you know for us to do it, and I'm sure the the same thing will happen to other companies. So yep. But at the same time, privacy is important, right? Exactly. All right. Well, uh, I think what we've learned is don't put anything on your iPhone that you don't want anyone else to see. (laughs) Don't buy anything on Amazon that you don't want to be marketed about. And I don't know. CCPA isn't great, but it's but it's better than nothing. I think that sounds good. I think that sounds like a good summary. (laughs) All right. Well, in that, thanks, Persona, for uh, hanging out with me another day. Thank you, Curtis. I hope it wasn't too depressing of a topic today. Oh, it was so depressing, but (laughs) we got to do what we got to do. Welcome to my world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And thanks to the listeners. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. isn't worth a spade finally i needed your backup you had a chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth a spade Keep me thinking that we
Sure, so.